This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. morning it's wednesday september the 13th 2023 welcome to now with dave brown coming to you on ami tv i'm dave brown let's hit the horns and go Coming up on the show today, AMI's documentary, Blind Trust, A Guide Dog's Journey, captures the story of CNIB's guide dog program. Becky Zarr tells you all about her involvement in the series. Season three of Mind Your Own Business is coming out in November. Host Kevin Shaw reflects on the evolution of the show. And how do you feel about Quebec's desire to ban cell phones in school classrooms. Marco Pasqua and Elizabeth Moeller will weigh in with their thoughts. It's actually a smattering of stories for Marco and Elizabeth to give you quick slant, quick takes on. That's coming your way in about 90 minutes. But the show begins with the top story of the day. And the top story comes from the world of economics. Auto worker strikes are looming in Canada and the United States. America's United Auto Workers Union is considering strikes at a small number of factories. Ed Donahue has the latest. If a contract can't be worked out with Detroit's big three automakers, sources tell the AP the union might target individual plants. Both sides are exchanging offers and negotiating, but they still appear to be far apart on wages and benefits. Ford CEO Jim Farley says the company submitted a new offer that's their most generous in 80 years of the UAW and Ford. GM President Mark Royce reports progress has been made in the past few days, saying the give and take is really happening. Royce said GM's goal is to reward employees while also investing in the future. A business professor at Wayne State University in Detroit says if there are strong it could target the car company's main profit centers. I'm Ed Donahue. In Canada, Unifor's contract with the Big Three covering 18,000 Canadian auto workers expires next Monday. Another piece of American economic news that will have a ripple effect in Canada for you to put on your radar. The U.S. Federal Reserve will release some key numbers today. Daria Albinger looks ahead. The Consumer Price Index, or CPI, measures how much we're paying for almost all goods and services month to month and year over year. The last few reports have shown increases in the first, decreases in the latter, and analysts expect that to be the case this time, too. The Federal Reserve will pay close attention to the report and could use the information in next week's meeting as it decides whether to raise interest rates. It'll be followed Thursday by the Producer Price Index, or PPI, which measures inflation on the wholesale level. Daria Albinger. ABC News. Coming back to Canada, the province of British Columbia is building a second hospital in Surrey. The hospital project will cost almost $3 billion and is set for completion in 2029. The hospital will include 168 more beds, an emergency department with 55 spaces, and a cancer centre with a 50-room oncology unit. Health Minister Adrian... From the world of federal politics, the Liberal Caucus retreat starts today in London, Ontario. Unlike the Conservative Convention over the weekend, things are expected to be a bit more tumultuous. 
Liberal strategist Greg McEachern says MPs are taking a lot of flack from their constituents. These Liberal MPs are not voicing anything that they're not also hearing from their constituents. You know, they're not necessarily being selfish. This is not necessarily just people mad because they didn't get into cabinet. You know, they're mad because this is what their constituents are, are telling them. Liberal caucus chair Brenda Shanahan feels everyone in the room is ready to listen to each other's concerns. We're doing the work uh, and uh, it just needs to get delivered in a way that's more effective and that we're Canadians are feeling the impact, obviously. It's something that is a two-way street and that's where caucus members are so important because we hear it directly from uh, people on the ground. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau may be a bit delayed getting to the event after he had travel troubles getting home from the G20 summit in India. At the very least, he will likely be quite jet-lagged. From news to the daily polls, at Accessible Media is where you vote on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you vote on Facebook. On Tuesday, you were asked a question that had to do with concert cancellations and postponements after Aerosmith abruptly cancelled their show in Toronto last night. Should concert promoters have to refund more than just the cost of tickets? 73% of you said yes, 27% of you said no. That's interesting because when I checked the Facebook comments early, early, early in the voting the other day, or yesterday I should say, it looked like no was the early leader, but I guess uh, folks came in down the stretch and said, nah, you gotta give more than just the cost of the ticket in a refund. Thank you to everyone who got involved in the voting. At a news popular for Karen is an allergy around voted against its effectiveness as an oral relief for and is metabolized related with an older because they follows through on the recommendation that would likely force consumers to as a when king. Sudafit. It is the accrue. What is your preference when it comes to cold medications? At Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. What is your preference when it comes to cold medications? Is it syrup? Is it pills? Is it sprays or is it I use nothing? Elizabeth Moeller, you're filling in for Alex Smythe today in the co-host chair. I have to confess, Elizabeth, every now and then I'm tempted to say I will use nothing, but then when I'm real sick, I'm busting out that NyQuil. Oh, I know. You know, there's one answer for me, and it's syrup and specifically Buckley's. It tastes awful, but it works. Ah, ah, I had the worst. Ah. I didn't plan that, Dave. I had the worst laryngitis in the 10th grade, and nothing would get rid of it. And then the doctor finally said, have you tried Buckley's? And my parents were like, nope. And we tried it, and it really worked. So I am a Buckley's through and through girl. Yeah, for whatever reason, I do find that when you start using some of these cold medications, it might mitigate the effect of the cold, but then might stretch it out a little bit longer. But when you haven't yes. slept for three or four days due to congestion, you're like, no, no, <laughs> let me get this in my anything. system. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't care. It doesn't matter what it tastes like. I just want something to <laughs> help me breathe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Amanda, Sh Amanda Shikarchi, what about you? When you get a cold, what's your preference when it comes to a cold medication? I usually try for like, if it gets really bad, I'll take like a Tylenol. But honestly, some of the best remedies for me are just constant, you know, hot water with honey or just refilling my water bottle and keeping myself hydrated. Because I find that the more I'm hydrated, the easier it is for the cold to go away. But if I'm definite, like if I'm desperate, I'll go for a Tylenol. Yeah, Elizabeth, I saw the smile on your face there as Amanda was describing that. Because there is something to be said here about, yeah, hot Absolutely. tea, lemon, honey, that kind of stuff too. 
and just good old fashioned rest, which I can speak for myself. I don't get enough of. So sometimes it's my body's way of saying, could you just darn it, slow down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go take a nap. That'll, that'll help you with this that'll cold help. that you got if going you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. At accessible media is where you can vote on Twitter at accessible media Inc is where you can vote on Facebook. You can also share your thoughts via email feedback at ami.ca or 1-866-509-4545. That is the phone number, 1-866-509-4545. The question, what is your preference when it comes to cold medications, syrups, pills, sprays, or I use nothing? And hey, don't be afraid to go off the board like Amanda did there, talking about some of the uh, more holistic ways to take care of yourself the hot water the honey the lemon all that good stuff coming up after the break ami's documentary series blind trust a guide dog's journey captures the story of cnib's guide dog program becky czar will tell you all about her involvement in the series great to talk to becky czar again on the show this is now with dave brown on ami tv It's now with Dave Brown. Blind Trust, A Guide Dog's Journey is a documentary series about the CNIB's guide dog program. The series concluded, so you might have missed it on AMI-tv. Don't despair. You can find it to stream at AMI.ca or on the AMI app. One of the individuals involved in the show's production is Becky Czar. You might remember Becky, a former community reporter on Now with Dave Brown, a podcaster on AMI-audio and a guide dog user herself. Becky is also an entrepreneur based in Regina, Saskatchewan. Hey, good morning, Becky. Nice to chat with you once again. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for having me back. I am thrilled to be here. Becky, you were really candid and honest when you were a community reporter about the process that you were going through acquiring a guide dog, going through the training, but how did you end up getting involved in this series? <laughs> That's a really great question. I'm still kind of trying to figure that out in a way myself, but I think how honestly it happened in Ayn, it kind of goes back to being in the right place at the right time. So I had an opportunity to host a Double Tap Canada town hall series here in Regina. And so that was my first kind of crossover, I'll call it, into AMI-TV world. And so um, I, I think I did okay. And so Jim Crisco kind of remembered me. And then this project presented, and he thought I'd be a good fit um, because of the work that I've done um, and also because I am a guide dog handler myself. So um, I'm super grateful to have that opportunity. It was a, a really great experience. One of the really neat things about the series is it captured the experience of both a guide dog handler but also the guide dog itself. Why do you think it was important to tell those dueling stories? Yeah, you know what? I think it's really important for the public, I will say, in particular, to understand that these guide dog teams just don't 
pop out of nowhere. That there's a lot that goes into both sides of the partnership. So, I mean, these guide dogs, I get compliments on my guide dog, Lulu. Um, and I think she's the best, obviously, um, all the time. And I have to explain to people, you know, she didn't just arrive on my doorstep like this. And there was a lot of people behind the scenes that have, you know, contributed to her success, um, before her harness was put into my hand. Um, and then, you know, I hate to brag, but I need to get a little bit of credit as well as a guide dog handler, because there's a lot that goes into that. And as somebody who hasn't done it themselves, initially, I thought it was just like this easy peasy type of thing that was just going to like happen. Um, but no, I think it's really important that people understand, you know, why a guide dog handler chose to take the next step to get the guide dog itself. Um, all of the different steps that goes into making that a successful team during the training process and afterwards as well to make these teams like appear seamless, which is always the goal. At times the series was adorable and fun. At times the series was quite vulnerable. What's it like for you to express that vulnerability on national television? Yeah, you know, I I kind of had, I, I'm gonna say I eased into it with the screen turned off initially with the blind reality. That's kind of where I pulled my Band-Aid off and was like, whatever. Um, put my own personal vulnerabilities aside in hopes of helping somebody, you know, um, pave their path a little bit easier. So I think it's really important that um, we are honest, especially when we're doing a show like this as well. So it, it made me feel a little bit, you know, ooh, when I brought my family on the screen as well, because I mean, Bennett's 13, he's a teenager, we've all been there. And um, I, I did run things by him, like, you know, like, are you okay with this? Because potentially people in the world that he's linked with might see it as well. And it's cute because they have, he has shared it with other people too. And it brings my husband in there as well. Like they see people who see us engaging in the world around us in our community, see Brad as a sort of a silent member, I'll say, but he actually, you know, was verbalizing a bit there and really validated his part of the team as well. Beyond being such a great presence on camera in the series, you were also a writer. Uh, I will tell you from experience, I love being a writer on shows. I did a couple series like this over the years, and I liked being able, especially when the stories were personal, to put my fingertips on it from a writing perspective. What did you get out of the writing experience being a writer on the show? Yeah, it. I have to say that I... I've never explored the creative writing side of things before my interactions with AMI. So uh, professionally prior as a nurse, it was always a very like, you know, let's write policies, let's write manuals. And it wasn't the creative fun side of things. So to engage in the world of writing in a creative way, and especially crossing over into the TV um, side of things, it was a hoot. It was wild. It was such a great learning experience. And I have to say that, you know, Halter Media uh, as an entity was amazing to work with. Adrian was super um, relaxed and stuff like that for me to work with and make it sort of my, I'll say my debut TV experience as a writer. So it was really positive. Um, and it is a project that I'm super proud of. So I'm hoping that people are learning from it, um, enjoying it and um, can relate as well in their own way. Validating lived experience is always really important in series like this, really reflecting on the personal journey. I mean, there's journey right in the name of the series. <laughs> but what's neat about doing projects like this is there is an opportunity to learn, maybe that 10,000 foot uh, high, 10,000 foot above 
perspective on these things. What did you learn about guide dog handlers and the guide dog process that maybe you didn't already know? I learned a lot. I mean, I, it really validated to me that we all do this for a different reason. And I think that I'm going to call them characters, but the characters in the show really, um, we're trying to depict that as well. Like, I mean, you have Danica that was on there as, you know, being highlighted as the individual who's striding towards uh, obtaining a guide dog, guide dog of her own, um, for primary for school reasons, right? Um, you have myself that's for family reasons. I mean, I have her for a million reasons, but one that we definitely highlighted was for family, for engaging in my son's world um, independently. And then you have other people in there um, for career reasons, right? So I think that it's really important that people understand that um, the blind community is just a snippet of society in general. And we all have our own motivators and um, reasons and things that drive us and I think that that's something that um, was really fun to be able to show to the people as well, um, that, you know, it, it, what drives one of us might not drive the other. So um, we are just members of society. So it was, it was kind of cool like that too. Uh, Becky, scratch a little bit deeper. You mentioned what you hope people would take away from this. What do you want an audience to take away from watching the series? Because again, I, I, I thought it was really excellent. It ended up becoming a staple of my morning routine here at the office. While I was in the kitchen, it was on the TV and I'd have my coffee and a little bit of water and watch a little <laughs> bit of the show. And it was like, just it was just so well done. I, I took away a lot what do you want audiences to take away i want it sounds kind of lame but i want them to take away what they need from that series from each episode because we all have different levels of learning and knowledge that pre-exists right prior to watching blind trust um I personally really want people to understand that a person walking down the street utilizing a guide dog as their, I'll say tool of choice, but adorable creature on their left-hand side predominantly, um, that they're just a normal person going about their normal business in their normal way. Um, so, you know, 10 years ago, walking down the street with a white cane or a guide dog was not my normal way. I was a sighted individual. I would just walk down the street, right? But I, I mean... Prior to losing my sight myself, I I admit I looked at a visually impaired, whatever you want to call us, um, low vision, blind individual in a different way, where it was like, just you know, leave them be. Um, you know, they're they're doing their thing, which I think is respectful, but at the same time, no, don't leave us be. Like if if we've got something hanging off of us, or we're gonna you know blast into something, and we and you know what I mean, like just be a human being. And I think that that's where I really want people to just level the playing field and have people understand and treat people as people. Uh, I mean, I got a call from my, my parents, my dad after each episode and it was like, Oh, I thought this was really interesting. And, you know, I really like Jack. And, you know, it was really cute. The things that he was taking away as mm. a parent. Um, and then my son would have a different perspective and he's like, Oh, that was really cool. And I'm like, and of course he loves seeing himself on there fishing. Right. So I think it's really important. And friends texting you know what I mean like everybody's taking away what they need in hopes of um, learning a little bit more and making life a little bit easier for all of us it's so interesting you mentioned people reaching out to you after watching an episode. People like you, like you say, your dad, right? People who've known you forever since your literal inception. They've they've yeah. they've, they've they've known you, and they watch something like this, and they take something away from it. It happened to me after an episode of Jenny Bovard's podcast a couple of months ago, where I shared something about uh, where I like to sit at a restaurant table when I'm with my friends, and I had all these people reach out to me and say, "You've never said that out loud to me before." So it's so it's so funny. Sometimes what you might think is a 
throwaway line or just a little thing that maybe you've never verbalized before. It just connects with people. It's so cool. Yeah, it's people that know you, like you said, they can even learn, which is so cool. And we all have a preferred way or where we want to sit at a table. We just kind of sneakily do it. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> silence, I know I do. <laughs> silence advocacy. Hey, Becky, yeah. <laughs> on the way out of here, I want to ask you the daily poll question. I feel like with your former life as a nurse, <laughs> you might have a good answer to this question. <laughs> the poll's all about cold medications at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. It is cold season or certainly it's a coffee season as the fall is turning what's your preferred method becky is it the syrups is it the pills the sprays or do you just tough it out i am so thrilled that you asked me this i feel like i was like mentally you know channeling you and be like ask me ask me um <laughs> i <laughs> i have to say i like to tough it out um, I am a huge Buckley's fan as well. I even got my kid to take it and he didn't know. I was a terrible parent, but like, here, just take this. It's cherry flavored. Um, and he almost like he was gagging and sputtering. It was hilarious. But um, honestly, I do as the former nurse in me is dying to say, if you have glaucoma, please, please read the side, read it. You can't see it, but please check the side of the ingredient list and make sure that it is not counterintuitive for you to take if you have glaucoma, because some of those cold remedies can really mess with your uh, glaucoma pressures, your interocular pressures as well. So um, if you haven't already heard that, that is just a kind of like a boom, you need to know that um, and check with your ophthalmologist, check with your GP and make sure you actually can take those without um, monkeying up your glaucoma pressures. Whoa, <laughs> Becky Czar dropping a science bomb on the way out of here. <laughs> Becky, uh, uh, you're not just uh, coming by today. You're going to be a regular part of the show moving, uh, in, moving throughout the year. So grateful to have you back. Thank you for taking some time this morning. Have a lovely day, and I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks so much, Dave. Take care, guys. That's Becky Czar. You can find Blind Trust, a guide dog's journey, available to stream on the AMI-TV app. There's one for Apple, there's one for Android, or you can just head right over to the website, ami.ca slash, well, ami.ca, and if you want to uh, learn more about the show, you go to ami.ca slash blind-trust, ami.ca slash blind-trust. Uh, I still love ami.ca. Great way to get our content, even when you miss it on the airwaves. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update. Karen Rebo has the morning business minute and Elizabeth Moeller has your weather story of the day. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I don't oftentimes describe the set where I'm sitting. There is a large plant over my left shoulder, so that'll be to the right on your screen. It got moved during the commercial break. That's all good. That's cool. But after it got moved, just as they were counting the clock in to start the segment, one of the leaves started moving rather abruptly as if there was some sort of wildlife or animal inside. I'm telling you, if there's a scorpion or a tarantula in this plant, I am going to scream during this segment. While I prepare my vocal cords for a scream and pray that there's no tarantulas, let's get to the regional news update. 
Beginning in British Columbia, the regional district of central Okanagan says crews are busy putting out hotspots and repairing damaged infrastructure affected by the McDougal Creek wildfire. The fire is still burning near West Kelowna. Community recovery manager Steve Shell is advising people returning home that things will continue to be difficult. It's going to be very traumatizing, especially as those move into these evacuated areas that have gone from an order to alert over the next few days and, and commend everybody that's working to support those residents and all the good work Hydro is doing to try and get those areas open up as soon as possible to get people in there safely. Kelowna Risk Manager Lance Kayfish also warned residents about hot spots and smaller fires in the surrounding areas. First and foremost, I just want to remind uh, folks here attending today uh, to uh, be aware of that and to just have a heightened level of uh, caution and safety when you're uh, re-exploring uh, your old neighborhood because it will not be exactly as you left it. Nearly 5,000 properties remain on alert in the region and 380 properties remain on evacuation order. Over to the prairies. The story of the E. coli outbreak at Calgary daycares continues to evolve. Inspectors say three critical violations have been found in a central kitchen serving at Calgary daycares affected by the E. coli outbreak. The inspection report on the kitchen shows there was improper sanitation, that's not good, food transport, that's not good, and live cockroaches at the facility. That's really not good. There have been 264 lab-confirmed cases of E. coli across 11 daycares. 25 children and one adult are hospitalized from the infection. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Mark Joffe says the investigation is still tracing the source of the E. coli itself. Do we have not found the source of the infection. Um, we continue to work on that and we are optimistic that by the time the investigation is complete, we will have a much better sense for exactly what happened, why it happened and then what needs to be done to prevent it. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith wants to wait for more information before making any big policy decisions. When we find out, and I hope we do soon, when we find out precisely what food product in the kitchen was the problem, that will allow us to be able to understand what we need to do to, um, to make more regulations. But that's, that's going to be the sort of the second step. Right now, everybody is focused on making sure those little ones get well. Alberta Health Services says six of the daycares will be allowed to reopen. The five others and the central kitchen remain closed. Over to Ontario. Not strictly a provincial story because it involves some federal politics, but it involves two Toronto, uh, two Ontario cities. I slipped over myself there. Toronto is not the center of the universe, although having lived here for three and a half years, I'm starting to get worn down. The parliamentary budget officer says it will take the federal and Ontario governments 20 years to break even on their electric vehicle battery deals with two automotive giants. The two governments are giving subsidies to Volkswagen and Stellantis to build electric vehicle battery plants in Ontario. The PBO report says it will take until 2043 for government revenues generated from the production of both plants to equal the production subsidies. In March, Canada reached a deal that will see Volkswagen get up to $13.2 billion in production subsidies for EV batteries produced at a plant in St. Thomas, Ontario. Stellantis secured a $15 billion agreement for a plant in Windsor. 
very tempted to bring this one to the news panel on Friday, but still undecided. Tune in at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday to find out if I did. And over to the Atlantic provinces, a half billion dollar deficit forecast in the March 2022 Nova Scotia budget has turned into a $115 million surplus. Finance Minister Alan McMaster gave an update on the provincial books for the fiscal year that ended in March 2023. McMaster says the large swing in fiscal fortune was mainly due to the province's growing population and a post-pandemic economic rebound. Government revenues ended up being $2 billion more than forecast. Coming up in 60 seconds, Elizabeth Moeller has the weather story of the day. But first, here's Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes. Toronto's TSX index added 40 points to close at 20,223. New York's Dow Jones average slipped 17 points and the Nasdaq tumbled 144 points. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 69 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning, unchanged from yesterday at 73.75 cents US. As the big three automakers continue contract negotiations to avoid looming strikes by the United Auto Workers Union and Unifor in Canada, the European Union is launching an investigation into subsidies that China provides to electric vehicle makers. And U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wants to see bipartisan legislation passed within the next year that both encourages the rapid development of artificial intelligence and also mitigates its biggest risks. Today, Schumer is convening a meeting of some of America's most prominent tech executives, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. That's the world of business. Let's turn to the world of weather. <laughs> Still feeling that little piece of production put together by Bruce McLaren and the crew. Well done. Elizabeth Moeller, you are keeping close watch on Hurricane Lee. Yes, Dave, I am. So for today's weather story, I want to pick up on Mike's report from earlier in the week of Hurricane Lee. So I want to provide a bit of an update on the hurricane. The forecast cone for Lee now includes all three of the maritime provinces. The cone represents the area through which the storm will take a probable path. The risk of stormy weather for the maritimes will continue to be Saturday and Sunday of this week. Hurricane Lee maintains a Category 3 storm as of Tuesday afternoon. Due to the increased amount of uncertainty that far into the forecast for the storm, it should be noted that the cone is quite wide, measuring over 700 kilometers in width. In their first bulletin on Lee, the Canadian Hurricane Centre stated that the range of track possibilities is very broad this far ahead in time, ranging from somewhere in Maine to the southeast of Nova Scotia. The extent the center of the storm moves through that area will determine what areas will experience the worst of the weather. Once the hurricane makes a northward turn by late today, it will further enhance the tropical air mass over Atlantic Canada. During the latter part of the week, there is a risk of heavy rainfall over the maritime provinces. Typically, there are these hurricanes or tropical systems that move through very quickly within six to eight hours. This time around, it's actually going to be more like 
slowing down, so some areas could see tropical strong winds for about 24 hours, which means a lot of rainfall and some potential power outages. So all of that is on the table for this weekend. Elizabeth, thank you for this. And I know you want to talk a little bit more about emergency preparedness in about an hour's time with myself, Nizreen, and Ramya. So sit tight, and I will talk to you shortly. You bet. That's Elizabeth Moeller with your weather report. Coming up next, the Montreal Botanical Gardens is hosting a special event called Gardens of Light. Community reporter Shani Saravanamuthu will shine a light on the event. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown live on AMI-tv. The Montreal Botanical Gardens is embracing the fall season with a special display. Gardens of Light is running from now until the end of October. It caught the attention of community reporter Shiny Saravanamuthu, who has more details. Hey, good morning, Shiny. Good morning. How are you? I am great, Shiny, as uh, I tend to do in this community report because I used to live in Montreal. I'm always delighted <laughs> when you bring back uh, these elements that were part of my childhood, youth, or early adult years. I love the Montreal Botanical Gardens. Love, mm -hmm. love, love. What do they have in store for visitors this time around? So I think this is great, especially for me. I have RP, so I struggle with night vision so the fact that it's a, a lit up display and you can see in the nighttime it's kind of great so uh from september 1st to october 31st uh they have something called gardens of light so basically they'll be showcasing it's like a, you it's like a walkthrough display of lights and visuals and you start off in a japanese um garden and then you end up in the first nations garden and then you end off with the chinese garden so there's lanterns and everything it's kind of like a little escape but you're still in montreal but you get to experience different cultures i think it's a great way i think it's a great way to kind of like ease into fall and have something to do i know we all think like oh summer's done there's not going to be much to do uh, i think it's a great date idea yeah uh, especially if you're like in that area it's a great way to walk through and just you know be active quote unquote <laughs> and kind of have like a nice way to like you know go on a date talk to your partner walk through like you know and it, I just feel like it's a low-key kind of a date night, but it's it's kind of magical too because once they add in the musical component everything it's very it's very magical the thing about the botanical gardens, now this may not be the case always, right? If you go on a Saturday afternoon, it might be a little more busy. But generally speaking, the vibe is so chill. I'm 100% on board mm. with you. The notion of a date night at the botanical gardens versus, say, the insectarium, you know, you can't even, you can't compare. You can't compare. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, used, yeah. I, I just used... feel like it's romantic and it's it's nice. I used to be big on the Abiodome, which is now the Espace TV. I used to love taking uh, dates there because, you know, there's lots to talk about and lots to look at. And there was ice cream nearby if you wanted ice cream at the end. <laughs> it's kind of, it's got renovated and it's a bit different now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shani, what are the needs to know before somebody goes? What are some of the essential uh, factoids here? Uh, so here, um, the prices do vary depending on the age group. It starts off at eleven seventy-five to twenty-two seventy-five. Uh, I would recommend buying the tickets ahead of time online on their website. Nowadays, I just feel like that's just a lot easier. You have the mobile tickets; you're good to go, and you're just 
prepared ahead of time and no surprises if like there's not enough tickets for the day or something you know so i think that's just the best way to be prepared and um as usual, like on the website, you can find all the details that you need to uh, in regards to if you're going to get there by public transportation, for parking and all that fun stuff. So I would say the website is the best way to go at the moment. Yeah, I, I would read the whole Espace pour la Vie website here, but I think that's just going to confuse people. So what, yeah. I'll, what, I'll, what I'll say is just head over to ami.ca slash now after the show, ami.ca slash now after the show. The uh, link will be directly up there. It'll be a little bit easier than me reading the slashes and the dashes and trying <laughs> to uh, sort of spell out French words <laughs> uh, on air on an English show. So uh, head over to ami.ca slash now for uh, more information on that one. Shiny, another fall tradition in this part of the country is some form of picking in the fall. <laughs> I'm partial to apple picking. Yeah. You're a little more partial to pumpkin picking. What spot yeah. do you recommend for Montrealers? So for pumpkin picking, I would suggest Ferme Marino in Laval. Uh, just because I feel like I know like pumpkin picking can can't really go on for much long apple picking you're kind of walking down all the like rows and you it takes up some time pumpkin picking you kind of pick a few and you're kind of done this farm actually has a lot to do and i feel like it's great for a lot of different ages uh you have your pumpkin picking they have a corn maze they have activities they have games and they even have like different displays for photo ops which is kind of great for all ages and even older people who are social media experts uh so i think it's great for that uh they have uh, a farmer's market so basically it's an artisanal market so all local businesses selling their stuff at oh, the farm yeah. uh they have an ice cream shop there so that's always a nice way to like you know take a get some ice cream stroll down the maze and see if you make it out with your ice cream or if it's melted um so it's a great way to you know kind of get started on the fall activities i personally love pumpkin picking because i love baking with pumpkin uh pumpkin spice pies all those fun stuff so that's why i i kind of change it up once in a while because get tired of too much apples after a while <laughs> so that's why i like starting off with pumpkin picking and it, it's still nice outside so you can actually enjoy uh the activities right now opposed to like maybe later in october where it gets colder so i suggest doing it in the month of september shiny what advice do you have in regards to accessibility around the farm um definitely just uh I know it's, it can be tricky because pumpkins can be lying around anywhere and everywhere. Uh, so just maybe keeping your heads uh, at the floor, maybe, because I've learned from experience. I've tripped over a few. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's the only thing, uh, because the pumpkins are much bigger than apples. So just to make sure we don't get ourselves hurt in the process of having some fun, uh, I usually just keep my eyes on the floor and make sure my path is clear or my partner is usually ahead of me to make sure I don't bump into anything. So uh, usually go with someone that can help you out and make sure your path is cleared. You know, of those I, pumpkins. <laughs> I, I never thought about it that way, Shiny, as to why I prefer apple picking to pumpkin picking, but I think you might have just described it yeah. there. I don't like having to keep my head on a swivel as I'm trying to enjoy yeah. myself in the uh, in the great outdoors. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. why I like the apples. They hang above me versus the pumpkins that I'm going to trip over. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny, you mentioned the baking component of this. Yeah. Uh, you are a top, top tier baker. In fact, a lot of your Instagram <laughs> you. is filled with some of your great projects. You even did it professionally for a little bit. 
What does pumpkin go well in? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a basic bro over here. I, I just will eat pumpkin pie right out of the tray with my bare yeah. hands like, like, a, like a monster. But what else can pumpkin be used for? Um, I love making pumpkin scones, like pumpkin spice scones. So you oh. add some cardamom, some cinnamon within your pumpkin puree. You add it into your scone mixture, and it's actually very great with a little bit of butter. It goes, it's it's great. It's very like a bit of a heartier scone, but it's it's delicious. You can add them in muffins with some nuts and some you know pumpkin seeds on top. Um, just little different ways of putting them into your baked goods to kind of have your quote unquote veggie intake. Um, but yeah, so I just I just like like the earthiness of pumpkin added into a baked good. So that's why I'm excited about it. It's pumpkin spice uh, season. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pumpkin spice lattes are flowing. There's a note yeah. about that one. That, that chill is in the air today in Toronto. I don't know about Montreal, but that chill is in the air today in terms of. Yeah, we oh, yeah. a lot of rain today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah that, we, got, we had that a little bit yesterday. So uh, <laughs> once again, just like uh, the Espace TV, I, I'm, I'm not going to try and spell it Fel yeah. Martino on the air or Fel Merino on the air. Uh, we'll, we'll do that on the blog after the show, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Shiny, one concluding thought here. Informally, you did a series over the course of the last 12 months about getting engaged, planning a wedding, and having a wedding. It's officially in the books. How'd it go? Yeah. How are you feeling? Congratulations. Thank you very much. It went really well. And I know people said, oh, go by fast. Holy crap. It went by so fast. Uh, I think two days ago, me and my husband sat down and we were actually very sad that it was over. We would like to redo it all over again without the stress part of it, but that's a part of the game. <laughs> but to anyone else that's getting married anytime soon, uh, it's true. It does go by really fast. So just try to enjoy as much of it as you can. And don't expect to be able to eat your own food at your wedding because that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's 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 something that so many bride and grooms report back. There was yeah. no time to actually eat. <laughs> You're too busy uh, saying hello to people yeah. and doing the gratitude thing. Okay, Shiny, so what was the final count? I know there were different days and different components to the mm -hmm. wedding, but what was the final turnstile guest count for a Saravanamuthu wedding? <laughs> so on the Friday, which is the Hindu ceremony, we had about 650. And then on the Saturday for our reception, we had like 310. I don't know if I could do that, but you are a better person than me, Shiny. Shiny, thank you for this. Congratulations thank again. You so Thanks for giving thank a you. taste of Montreal fall flavor. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Sounds great. Have a great day. That's Shiny Servanamuthu, community reporter in Montreal, Quebec, coming up in 60 seconds. Amanda Shikarchi has the entertainment report all about the MTV Video Music Awards that took place last night. But first, Apple is showing off their new iPhone. Mike Dubusky takes a bite in Tech Trends. Now let's talk about iPhone. Apple has pulled the wraps off the iPhone 15. The standard models come in two sizes, and this year they inherit a feature from the higher-end Pro model. 9 to 5 Max, Chance Miller says it's called the Dynamic Island. It's where Apple hides the front-facing camera and the Face ID hardware, but then they've tied it into some software integration, so you can do things like control your music playback, track notifications. The main rear camera also gets bumped up to 48 megapixels, and Miller says the charging port is different this year, too. 
two. Instead of the lightning port that Apple's been using since the iPhone 5, they'll switch from lightning to USB-C, which means you'll need a new charging cable to charge your phone for the first time in a decade. The iPhone 15 starts at just under 800 bucks. Apple's lightning to USB-C adapter is 29 bucks. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Just FYI for you, the prices Mike gave you there were in American dollars and not Canadian dollars. Mike is based down there in the U.S. of A. I'll tell you this. I'll pull back the curtain for you just a smidge. Access Tech Live debuts tomorrow, Thursday, on AMI-tv with Stephen Scott and Marco Flalo. And I saw Stephen on one of the screens in the control room yesterday talking about the Apple event, bouncing in his chair with excitement and delight. If you thought I was excited about football last week when I was going to flip this desk over, I think Stephen might flip even more desks over when it comes to Apple. Marco Flalo, by the way, will set up the debut episode of Access Tech Live tomorrow on the show, just after 10 a.m. Eastern time. Let's go to Amanda Shikarchi for the entertainment report. Amanda... MTV was handing out some hardware last night. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it was fun to catch some of the action live last night. MTV Video Music Awards hit the airwaves, and the crowd went wild for Olivia Rodrigo's performance of Vampire and Get Him Back. Demi Lovato rocked her performance of Heart Attack, Heart Attack Sorry Not Sorry, and Cool for the Summer. Shakira's performance was nostalgic. She performed a compilation of her greatest hits, including Whenever, Wherever, and Hips Don't Lie. So good. So, so, so good. good. I caught that performance this morning. So, so good. So iconic. Yes. What was also iconic is that she won the Vanguard Award. Here's a clip of Shakira showing love to her family. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank my kids, Milan and Sasha, who are here. Thank you so much for cheering me up and for making me feel that mama can do it all. (laughs) Taylor Swift also made history as she won multiple awards, including Song of the Year, Artist of the Year, and Album of the Year. She reflects on what a journey her career has been so far. I cannot believe that it was a year ago at the VMAs that I announced the Midnight's album. And all I have to say tonight is thank you. I'm, I'm blown away. Thank you so much to the fans. We love you so much. Other award winners included Nicki Minaj, SZA, and first-time winner Ice Spice. So, Dave, I find it interesting that fans get to determine all the winners. What do you think about that? You know, I think there's real merit and a space for that inside award shows. That to a certain degree, so long as you don't claim that it's artistic merit that is the awards being handed out for, it makes sense to me. Let fans give love to the artists they enjoy and the music they enjoy. It just seems fitting to me. And there's plenty of places where there's a little bit more curation, right? You have things like the Grammys in the United States. You have things like the Polaris Music Prize in Canada that talk a lot about artistic merit as one of the driving forces. Amanda, I think it's great to give some power to the fans. You know, a little bit of democracy. 
<laughs> I think it's wonderful as well, especially because, you know, if you think of consumer culture, we are the ones that are consuming this music and it's exciting for the fans to really get to show their fandom by voting for their favorites and getting to see how everything kind of unfolds the yeah. night of the award show. Yeah, and, and listen, and, and that I think is emblematic of Taylor Swift getting those wins last night. Nine of 11, nine awards on 11. Nominations, but let's be clear this has been the year of Taylor Swift. If you think about the concert sales and the way people are responding to the live shows, my gosh, she deserves that love, Amanda. She's doing good work, and her fans. And I mean, listen, you heard the way her fans screamed when she mentioned the album. Actually, you know what, Parker, I don't know if we can play that again. I just think there's something about the way you hear that pitch when she gives her fans some love and talks about the album. Parker, can you roll that for me one time? I want to hear it one more time. I cannot believe that it was a year ago at the VMAs that I announced the Midnight's album. Yeah, you, you, you can bring it down there, but Amanda, like, you just hear the people in the crowd going bonkers. Even just naming the album, it seems so fitting that she gets the love last night on the awards. I totally agree. Like, she really has talent, and all her creative decisions over the year are very inspiring to watch. And I've learned a lot from her, you know, as an aspiring musician myself, just about, you know, from how can we write, you know, lyrics that are poetic, but also mean something. Yeah. How can we put on a show that can bring millions of people to the stadium? So, Amanda, I only got a chance to watch the Shakira performance this morning. That's, like, deep nostalgia for me. I loved Shakira's work in the early and mid-aughts. Like, just phenomenal, catchy music. Amazing, amazing. What about you, though? You actually watched the show. What were your favorite moments? I thought Demi Lovato really killed it. I thought it was cool to hear all those older songs kind of re in like re imagined or re-envisioned as rock versions. I thought that was really mm. fun because it kind of teases to the album that she'll be releasing um, with the reimagined versions of her greatest hits. So I thought that was really cool. And I could tell that Doja Cat was having a blast on stage. You just really heard that passion coming out of her every verse that she rapped. I was like, okay, this girl is having fun here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amanda, I, I, I've, I've really got to say, it seems like there was there was a lot of fun being had last night uh, with, with the show. The Shakira was great, as you mentioned. Uh, the, the Demi Lovato, what a tremendous singing voice. I don't think people understand, because they, they think of Demi as a Disney princess, right? They think of Demi as part of that, that system, you know, just like any of the others. Demi's singing no, voice is just a, a different level, a different degree, technically brilliant singer. Her range is incredible. And I was actually really fortunate that I got to see her perform live. I think it was in 2016. I went to last minute, someone had a ticket and was like, do you want to come? And I saw her, I think it was her future now tour. And she was in incredible the mm. way she took control of that stage that till now i'm still thinking about how incredible that was and i'm so glad that you know she was she's definitely someone i'd want to see in concert again mm -hmm. hey amanda thank you for this have a lovely day talk to you tomorrow Thank you so much. That's Amanda Shikarchi with the Entertainment Report. Lots of love for Demi Lovato and Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift and Shakira.
After the break, Brock Richardson and I may not have so much love for the Toronto Blue Jays, who stumbled again in their quest for a playoff spot in Major League Baseball. So Brock and I'll peek into the nest after the break on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.